fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Alive, it's alive. Welcome to the Black Lincoln Collective Podcast. Oh, this is gonna be fun. We can stay up late, swapping manly stories, and in the morning, I'll make it fun. With your host, Parker. Featuring the sultry sounds of Fred and also Alan on the board. Now, let's start the show. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the 111th edition of the Black Wing Collective one, Podcast. 111. that's right. 111. We're the only podcast that promises that, listen, viewers, our listeners and viewers, if you send in your farts, we will play them on the air. <laughs> No, send them to Fred. Send them to Alan. No, you know what? Send them however the fuck you want. Send them to Alan. I don't give a shit. You can send them. Send them by train. I don't care. Send them. Hey, send them. Make them solid and send them. I don't give a literal <laughs> shit. Jar in a jar. Just put them in a jar. You open it up. Go. No, I can't wait. So we promise that if you do that, we will play them on the air. So we're so glad you joined us, and we appreciate that. Would be hilarious though. Ballad's <laughs> like this week's fart of the week is brought to you by Joyce Smithers of Mondale, California. Oh, dude, we should totally I saw, do that. I saw a video where uh, like, dudes doing a park podcast. They were like, "Oh, we got a, a package from like one of our listeners." They opened it up. It was a jar with a note inside of it. And like they opened the jar and was like, what the fuck is this? And like he smelled it, he's like, God, it stinks. And he took the note out and like took it to the dude, like to smell it. You know what I'm saying? And they opened it up and said, I farted in this jar. <laughs> That's awesome. Feel free to do that, listeners. Please. That would make me so happy. It's so funny. It would make me so happy because it goes to Alan. <laughs> so, awesome. so you can of course keep up with us at the blcpodcast.com please drop us a like or a follow and or a follow on x facebook instagram and our tiktok please rate us on your favorite podcast platform and for the love of god tell your friends we've moved from like hey it'd be really sweet of you to tell your friends to like just tell your friends just tell your friends before i kill myself please (laughs) tell someone tell anyone tell your priest tell the whoever anyway we do have a patreon it's it's patreon.com slash blc world and we are of course broadcast on the pop culture pros network check them out at popculturepros.com and now insert joke here it's Fred. Oh, wait. <laughs> Thanks. Close Thanks, enough. Matt. Close enough. Happy to be here today once again. And as always, Alan O.T. Exists. Yeah, we got more people now. Yeah, yeah Alan pumped it up. They're just standing outside, like yeah, yeah. They're they're all here because of the fart promotion. Yeah, right. they're all like, oh, Free fart giveaway. Smell your BLC farts. Great, can't wait. I'm in. Let's go. Live studio audience only at Allen's house. So, well, welcome to the show. We are so glad you're joining us. 
right. we have got an interesting show for you this evening. And if we don't, yeah. it's mostly uh, hey. some lady's fault. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> We're supposed to have a special guest on tonight, but well, we could still have a special guest on. So let's not talk too much right. shit, just in case yeah, okay, they well, show up. Yeah, and then okay, we're well, like, F make that sure. person. <laughs> okay, listen. If the special guest doesn't show up, f that person. If they do show up, right? They're pretty cool. I'd say they they're do. pretty cool. If not, I'll read you guys. If they do, if they don't show up, I'll read you guys my dreams that I've been journaling, <laughs> so that you can read them, so you can hear them, and you guys can analyze them if you want. Oh yeah, yeah. we can do that. Yeah. Well, in the we'll meantime, do. in case the special guest doesn't show up, I do have. I need a favor from yeah. you two fellows. All right. Wait. So I've decided no. that what one of the things that I would like to do in my life <laughs> is become a Renaissance man of sorts, Fred. And in order to become a Renaissance man, you have to be. The the, what are the requirements? To be a Renaissance man, you have to be able to do a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. Yeah, and so and part of that is socializing, Fred. Right. Yeah. And so so in order to stay social and to stay mm-hmm. cool and with it, mm-hmm. I've decided that I'm going to try and join a secret society. <sighs> now, Fred, I thought it was like a D and D club or something. That is neither cool nor with it. I can assure you. A secret society. A secret society. A so secret society. Yeah. I have compiled a list of secret societies that I would like to join. Yeah. Potentially, potentially, because I'm not All making right. any promises today. Yeah. Just you know, I don't want any. I don't want any of these secret societies to get their hopes up that they're going to gain right. this. This as a member. As right. a member, yeah, and you know the face, uh, if you will, of this society. You now the member of the society, right? But uh, who was it? Who said it? it was it? Uh, uh, who was that old comedian? Uh, shit, what was his name? The sassy uh, one, the one who was not sassy. Rodney Dangerfield, but he was always really sassy. Sam Kinison? No, sassier than that. He's older than that. Well, he was really old. The one who said, "Like I would I never sassy. want to join a club that would have me as a member." What was that dude? Oh. He was really, really old. Really, really old, like George Burns. Like, like younger Sinatra than George Burns, that. but not much younger. I know Sinatra said that. What was that? No, it wasn't Sinatra. It was. Uh, let's see. Let me look up. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah. This has nothing to do. Look, see, look, we're, we're, we don't put that one. Off the rails on the Already. I'm just gonna look. Oh, here's a list of 173 names. It could be any of these. Let me look. Um, no, no, no. No, it's not helping. No. Oh, no, no. No, no, no. Milton Berle? No, but in the in that in that same he was a little younger than Milton Berle. Okay. And he was always let me just look up the quote. How about that? Yeah, that's what I thought yeah, you did. Yeah, Bob Hope. No, I just looked up a banana list of comedians. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I thought that Old would be a good comedian. way to figure it out. Oh, Groucho Marx. That wasn't who I was thinking, but Groucho Marx. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I would have yeah, never gotten that either. Right. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, but he yeah. said, I don't want to belong to any club that would accept me as a, member. Me as a member. And it's true. Yeah. All right. So let's see if any of these clubs are willing to not accept me as a member, Fred. Number one, and you know, Fred. I'll tell you after after you do this, I'll tell you which ones you should join. Okay. That would take you. Well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's so sure of it, too. He's like, they'll take you. Yeah, he's like, is there one in Charlottesville, uh, Virginia? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> There's this three letter club you'd love. What's great is you only have to remember one letter. Yeah. The whole club's name. Yeah. And it's not a J. 
but it's close. <laughs> so, and they, they would love you. Yeah. So no, okay. So and keep in mind, I'm almost a thousand percent sure that all of these were created by elderly white men. So just no, that's why I think I could get into any of them. Yeah, yeah. You right. should, you okay. So um, Fred, number one yeah. on my or number ten on my list of potential mm-hmm. clubs that I'd like to join is the Alfalfa Club, not Alfalfa mm. from Little Rascals. No. Founded by four men, white men. Like the, the at, Well, let me tell you about it. Oh, let okay. me tell you all about Go it. Ahead. Founded by four men at the Willard Hotel in Washington DC, the Alfalfa Club derives its name from the plant. To be more specific, the name comes from the plant's roots, since they will allegedly do anything for a drink. In addition, <laughs> a possible Aprocryphal, aprocryphal, cryophal, cryophal. In a possible story, tells that it was created in 1913 to celebrate guess whose birthday? Friend of the show, Robert E. Lee. <laughs> a Robert E. Lee attorney at law, Fred, not Robert E. Lee. <laughs> right. <laughs> No, 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 a different Robert E. Lee. Last week it was a different Last week it was a different Dr. Dre. This week it's a different Robert E. Lee. The society is made up of only super wealthy or see that or super influential people. It boasts around 200 members with vacancies only opening up when the current member dies. Thankfully, they're all elderly and white, so there's constantly vacancies. Then new members right. must be invited. Who? For what they actually do, it seems they exist solely to throw an annual banquet dinner on the last Saturday in January. The president of the United States is traditionally invited to give a speech, with some of them coming more than once. In fact, in 2009, at his first invite, President Barack Obama said the following. I can't do it. Can you do a Barack Obama? He's like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing it here, Fred. I want to put the Barack Obama quote in the chat so you can read right. it to the people. Because you can do Barack Obama and I cannot because it's racist. Uh, this dinner began almost 100 years ago uh, as a way to celebrate the birthday of General Robert E. Uh, Robert e. Lee. But the king was here with us tonight. General will be 202 years old and very confused. It kind of so, lost at the end. No, that was great. For the first 80 years or so, the Alfalfa Club refused to admit women into the ranks, a decision that was changed in 1994 thanks to President Bill Clinton's protests. That's funny. So there's my first one, Alfalfa Club. You think I should get Alfalfa in or no? No, I mean. Uh, the Alfalfa Club. Uh, yeah. Club. Well, just I keep mean, it in the. Keep it in the back. Yeah, yeah, let's, see what super, else, yeah, let's see what else you yeah, got. Yeah, yeah I don't want to join more than one. All right, okay, because right, I mean, right. you know, I can only give them one of them. You got my precious time. time. So yeah, number nine on my list is the Dill Pickle Club. These are stupid. <laughs> Though it has since oh, see, look at this. Though it has since disbanded, but we're getting back together. The Dill Pickle Club was formed in 1914 <laughs> and was the brainchild of a man named Archibald Jack Jones. Jones was a Canadian organizer for the Industrial Workers of the World, a union dedicated to protecting workers. Go figure. After leaving the group because of an argument over their tactics, he decided to start a society to discuss labor and societal issues. Maybe I don't want to join this one. This one seems lame. Some of the most famous figures in Chicago's history were patrons, including Upton Sinclair and Clarence Darrow. 
Once Prohibition began, it also became a speakeasy, increasingly popular with the young people, especially those in college. Performance, whether artistic or musical, only added to the appeal of the Dill Pickle Club. However, by the early 1930s, Jones decided to no longer pay protection money to the mob, and the group was subsequently shut down by the police. The spirit of the group can be summed up by its entrance signing, the word danger written on the door. Step high, stoop low, leave your dignity outside. That should be our quote. That should be what we're about. So I guess I can't necessarily join the... No, no. Maybe pickle, we can bring pickle, it back. Pickle clubs out. We'll bring it back. <laughs> Sounds like a bunch of guys with their dicks out. Sounds like a bunch of guys. Uh, <laughs> hey, you want to see my pickle? You want to tickle my pickle dog? We're in the 30s, see? We're not paying no protection to no mob. We're just here to look high, stoop low, and take it in the butt. Okay. <laughs> sure that's what it said. Step high, stoop low, leave your dignity in your butt. <laughs> no, no, hey, they, I probably, they, probably get, they probably getting wild in there. I'm just saying, so far, dignity. so far, I feel like I'd rather join the Dope Pickle Club than the other one. <laughs> okay, so here's one that maybe Wait, what? <laughs> you'd rather join the Dope Pickle Club, you said? Yeah, yeah, the okay. Alfalfa Club. Okay, if you say so. Because I can aim go high, leg low, whatever, oh. in the butt. <laughs> Stoop high, aim low, take it in the rear. <laughs> okay. Uh, Entry in they were like workers union, so yeah, they know what's up. They know how it is uh, to get effed. Yeah. So anyway, so the eighth one or the my next one, which could be kind of hard for me to join, Fred, but I'm going to give it a mm-hmm. shot. Is this is the UK? Is what? Is this no, this is the first vegetable one that's food? not a vegetable. I hope that there aren't any more vegetable related clubs. <laughs> that just seems a little too healthy for me. <laughs> so this next one is called the UK Roundabout Appreciation Society. No. Now, Fred, we've got lots of roundabouts in our uh, area, and no like one knows how to drive them. Nope. I love a roundabout. I love it too because favorite. you can just drive in it all day just, long. Right. Yep. Just circle, circle, See, circle. But in Make. Britain, we ain't got roundabouts. We got like circle. Circle ways, like are, that's literally what a roundabout is. I know, but like I, I mean, a roundabout. These mugs, like you know, quarter mile long. Yeah, they have well, a roundabout mile wide. Just, you yeah. know, it's just a circle. Yeah, but like, could you imagine being in that one where the Sammy one that's Chase like six in? lanes? Yeah, it's like Big Ben kids. <laughs> they know yeah, what they're it's doing. Part of it. Look. The UK Roundabout Appreciation Society, or UCRAs, which is too close to Okras for me, uh, is a relatively obscure British organization, and it does exactly what it says. They're a society which appreciates roundaboots. Operating under the belief that nothing but straight roads lead to unsightly boredom, they propose <laughs> installing roundaboots wherever possible as well as using the land in the middle of the ruined boot to place a piece of art, a monument, or even a windmill. In fact, a ruined boot is a working windmill was named the best in Britain by Ucrus. I'm a member. Founded by Lord Kevin Beresford after the successful after the success of a calendar called the best British ruined boots. He pre- <laughs> I can't even do it. He printed in 2003. The group goes out of their way to photograph the most interesting rude boots they could find. <laughs> fun fact, Lord, fun fact, Beresford's nickname is the Lord of the Rings. 
<laughs> That's pretty good. And not, I would like to go just so I could call it Rune de Boots. Yeah, you shall not pass. Rune de Boots. I think you shall not look. pass. This is in the. I think this was in the yes column for you, Matt. No, I think that one's that kind of fits yeah. me. It also yeah. seems like yeah. it's pretty lazy. Yeah, yeah. Like there's not a lot of just like go sit in a room to boot. Right. Maybe put a hey, windmill in there. Hey, you going on a trip? All right. Come in roundabouts yeah. and they're pretty cool. Just take yeah. a picture. I'm like, I'm gonna go, love, I'm going to go appreciate room to boots around the country. Have a weekend, go out and appreciate your room to boots. We need a windmill in this one, mate. I just want to fuck a sexy room to boot. <laughs> so the next one that i could join is called the trapdoor spiders Ooh. That was awesome. this one might be too nerdy for me but we'll see in 1943 american scientist and writer john d clark got married to an opera singer unfortunately his friends chief among them fletcher pratt disliked her Pratt's disdain for the new Mrs. Clark was so bad that he started a male-only club in order to hang out with his friend. <laughs> Thus, the trapdoor spiders were born. They derived their name from the actions of the trapdoor spider, which pulls the door closed whenever it enters its burrow in order to keep its enemies out. The chief enemy <laughs> was Mrs. Clark. <laughs> the original group was about 20 members, all male, and they met once a month to have dinner and discuss the topics of the day. Women could be invited as guests, but only by the host of the dinner. Like some of the other organizations on this list. <laughs> yeah, no women at all. Like some of the or- other organizations, a common way to become a member was to be voted in after an existing member died. Some of the most prominent science fiction writers of the day were members with Isaac Asimov, Martin Gardner, and L. Sprague de Camp. Sprague de Camp. Being some of the more famous attendees. In fact, Asimov's fictional group, the Black Widowers, was modeled after the trapdoor spiders. Mm-hmm. I feel like that'd be weird. Like, yeah, so our friend Steve died. You want to come to do? Yeah. You want like, to be the new Steve, dinner. old man? <laughs> old white man? Gotta, we got a robe. We just have to take yeah. Steve's name off of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> that's your job. And we always close the door behind us. That's the other yeah. rule. All right. So what about this one, Fred? I like, I like this one. And we're getting toward the end, sort of-ish. Uh, only 15 more to go. <laughs> so I could always join the Seven Society. Ooh. This one's just up the road, Fred. That was dark. They're an incredibly secretive group. So you might be asking yourself, how did you find out about them? Well, I can't tell you. So they're an incredibly secretive group, the University of Virginia Seven Society, and its origins are shrouded in mystery. They have a logo. Would you like to guess what the logo is, Fred? It's the Seven? The number seven. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how you don't know what it is. <laughs> Surrounded by the signs for the Alpha, Omega, and Infinity. Uh, as for its members, no one is sure who's in the club. They are only revealed after they die. What is up with this? What? When a banner appears at the member's funeral. There you go. The Universal Chapel Bells, all donated by the Seven Society, will also toll in a pattern based around the number seven. Seven rings, mm. I guess. Their only real public presence is the fact they seem to be incredibly generous, which is why I love it, often giving away money in extravagant ways. During their commencement address in 1947, a small explosion took place near the stage with a check for $177,770.77 floating to the ground. 
The money was used to establish an interest-free loan fund for any student, faculty, or staff member who found themselves in financial trouble. Other donations include $77.77 to install a drinking fountain in 1955 that should have waited until 1977 and $14,770.77 in 2008 to start a fund for student-submitted ideas to improving the University of Virginia. Too much math for this one for me on that one. Sevens. What do you think? Too many sevens. Not enough sevens. Ain't that the the group and the boys? Seven. It is. It's the seven. You're right. That might be them. Could be them. That might be where they started. All right. How about this one, friend? The Gormagons. Now, this one I like already. Yeah, like yeah, this name sounds like, awesome. This is Stranger Things. Yeah, this, is, this <laughs> one is Gormagons. the Gormagons. Officially known as the Ancient and Noble Order of the Gormagons, this particular secret society sprang up in 1742 when an article in London's Daily Post described their appearance in the city. They claim to have come from the Chinese millennia in the past, and their goal seemed to be to set themselves up as anti-Freemasons. In fact, if a former Freemason wished to join the group, they first had to renounce the Masonic order. Oh, I was like, cut off the dick. <laughs> that's right. Cut off your that's dick. Basically, it. I mean, you know what I mean? if they're gonna if they if they're gonna resign from being a yeah, they're basically right. cutting off renounce the it. Yeah. Since they left no paperwork or writing of any kind, the origins and practices of the Gormagons are all but surely lost to history. We can bring them back, Fred. One theory is that the group was the creation of Andrew Michael Ramsey, the whitest name in the world. The ardent, the ardent Freemason, otherwise known as Chevalier Ramsey. Whatever the truth, they disappeared in 1738, allegedly, the very same year that Pope Clement XII published his bull against Freemasonry. Hmm. Hey, bring him back. Maybe my gr- my grandfather was in a secret society. Was he in the Freemasons? Mm-hmm. I had a bunch of people, like I used to hang out with a bunch of people who were in the Freemasons, and they would right. always be like. I would always be like, hey, how you join the Freemasons? They're like, all you have to do is ask. And then they yeah. like, eh? and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> they'd always like they always thought they were gonna get me. I'm not joining yeah. a fucking crazy society. Hey, no, I what are you know, talking, like, he's talking about what? joining one right now? <laughs> I'm not joining that one. Oh, okay. But no, that one's just like networking and shit. Yeah, you know that's what, what they say. I don't yeah. know, man. I think it's baby yeah. raping. <laughs> my grandpa was a baby raper. No, I didn't say he did the raping. He I'm just he just did the, the scoping. He could have just been like, "There's a baby," and they're like, "We hey got guys, this one." Babies out there. Like, hey, baby, you want to join a secret yeah. society? That's disgusting. All you got to do is ask. <laughs> no, they would always say that, and then like, like, eh, eh, yeah, like, yeah. not asking. No. no, because I don't. I just did ask. <laughs> but then they'd say, "Oh yeah, no, like, you, well, have, you have to." Hey, can uh, I join? Yeah. I mean, I if any of our listeners are Freemasons, let us know. Tweet the show at not. I'm not a Freemason dot org. Well, they can't let you if they're a Freemason. They can't let you know, right? That's the yeah, thing. Yeah. They can't let you know except they're always like, "Hey, <laughs> going to this Freemason meeting again." <laughs> Hour every day. Yeah, like I got I got caught like looking at his. Like one of his books and stuff like that. He like snatched this shit away from me. Yeah, because you, you know can't be I mean? knowing that stuff. Yeah. Hey, Fred. Well, while we're talking, my uh, my crypto went down a little bit more. <laughs> <Damn it>. <laughs> <laughs> my Ethereum. While we were having this conversation. 
Yep, because of that, they were like, oh, oh, he's talking bad about the Freemasons? We, we control cryptocurrency. <laughs> so the next joint, the next group I may like to join is the Trilateral Commission. What I like about that is it's three things. Finally. That sounds familiar. Right? Our first secretive pulling of the levers of global politics conspiracy-laden gloop, group. Well, gloop. <laughs> founded in 1973 by David Rockefeller, allegedly mm-hmm. after his fellow members of the infamous Bilderberg group refused to include Japanese members in the club, the Trilateral Commission was designed to foster cooperation between, well, the opposite of that. It was designed to foster cooperation between the leaders of Japan, Europe, Canada, and the United States. Rockefeller, as well as the other co-op co-founders, saw problems with the status quo, believing the various countries that made up the Trilateral Commission would benefit from a focus on solving their common problems. Originally, the group was going to be around for three years, a triennium, but their work has subsequently extended for additional periods up to the present day. Since its creation, the various regions have grown to include such countries as China, China, India, and Mexico. Conspiracy theorists also point to the group as they do with similar organizations as leading the charge for world, worldwide government or economic systems. This pro- is probably due to the fact that most of the prominent political or private industry leaders have been or are members of the group. You can't get in there, man. No. Why not? You can't, you can't get I'm white. No, that, that, that's... You gotta be... I'm not trilateral enough? No. Nope. <laughs> but I'm bi like I'm not trilateral. I'm bi like me try. <laughs> <laughs> so then this is one that I actually would join. And this is one I tried. I, I almost considered doing. This is like a thing. Uh, and then realized that it would never fly today. The Durham University Assassin Society. <laughs> No, this is a real thing. I would have tried that one, too. (laughs) Durham University, located in northeast England, is home to UNESCO, a UNESCO World Heritage Site, and is perhaps a bit less well-known, the Durham University Assassin Society. Founded in 1996, which is right about the same time that we were going to do it, uh, Duas is one of the oldest, as well as one of the most active assassin societies in the world. They run a number of different games throughout the school year. Ranging from dura- ranging in duration from a few hours to a few weeks, the games consist of players attempting to quote unquote kill other players, normally yeah. with a Nerf gun or a cardboard knife. Duas even gives out awards to its members, many of which are, are relatively silly, such as the Stephen King Award for Best Narration, which one year went to Millie Power for using poetry in her kill reports. In addition, there are incredible amount of rules with amazing amazing specificity. With which members play the games. So I was, yeah, they were going to do that. Like some buddies of mine were going to start that where it was like, yeah, they were like, oh, we'll just, what we'll do is we'll get everybody signed up. And then basically you'll get a target and you'll have to like, Mm -hmm. you'll get like a little dossier folder uh, on them. And like you have to go and assassinate them with your Nerf gun or like I said, with like a like cardboard knife or, you know, knife. And I was like, this is a great idea. This is just good, clean fun. (laughs) <laughs> and then, like, before it started, I realized, wait, like, I could probably get in a lot of trouble for this. Like, I mean, because nowadays, you think about this nowadays, man, this shit would be taken the wrong way. Someone would get yeah. real serious. <laughs> and, like, I really murdered that guy. I always thought it would be super fun. All right. So, oh, I have two more, and then uh, that'll be it for my. And then you guys got to tell me which one I want you want me to join, okay? okay. And I kind of like this one, honestly, as well. Maybe this is my favorite one right now. 
the Uttar Pradesh Association of Dead People. In 1975, a man named Lal Barani applied for a bank loan in his home district of Uttar Pradesh, India, only to be denied. When he asked for the reason, the bank told him he must have been lying about his identity because Lal Barani had been declared dead. So began an 18-year journey to prove he wasn't really dead. <laughs> 18 years? Yeah. It turned out that his uncle had bribed an official in order to take over his share of his ancestral farmland. After making little to no headway, Bihari sought out others like him. He eventually found a large underground collection of people and decided to form the Uttar Pradesh Association of Dead People. Their main goal is to force the government to recognize that they are, in fact, alive. Something which often goes hand in hand with reinstating land, which was illegally taken from them by corrupt politicians and crooked or crooked family members. In addition to attracting thousands of fellow Indians to the group, Bihari... Bahari also received the Nobel Priest Prize in 2003. Priest Prize? Priest, yes, the Nobel Priest Prize. This is a lot of reading. Give me a break. You're alive. I love the idea of like, I'm in a society that proves I'm alive. You would think it'd be easier than that, but all right. And then finally, and then after this, you guys got to decide the Hemlock Society. Founded in 1980, by Derek Humphrey in a Santa Monica garage, the Hemlock Society became one of the largest rights-to-die organizations in the U.S. Their overriding philosophy was that people should be allowed to legally end their own lives through the use of doctor-prescribed medication. They did not believe in suicide for emotional reason, reasons just for those with terminal or untreatable illnesses. Though they never officially helped anyone commit suicide, various members have helped in the past with other members. Some people dispute this claim, citing descriptions of poisons and lethal levels found in past literature. Their name is derived from the story of the Greek philosopher Socrates' death, in which he drank poisoned hemlock. Membership levels in the group plateaued in the 90s before other like-minded groups sprung up. There's more. And then they began to decline. In 2003, perhaps feeling as if a rebranding was in order, the group changed its name to End of Life Choices before merging with a new organization called Compassion and Choices a year later. They also got rid of their old motto, Good Life, Good Death. So I am. I think I'm going to go with the Udar Pradesh Association of Dead People. Of dead people. That's a, a, a. Was it the last one like Doctor Kovorkian? Didn't he? Probably. Yeah. Was he Kevorkian. a Doctor Death? Yeah. Doctor yeah. Death? yeah. He was. Yeah. He liked to help people kill themselves. Yeah. He or, did or, help a lady. I think but don't they do that? Don't they, don't they allow that in Canada now? Probably. I don't know. I'm sure there are Maybe. a lot of countries that do. Yeah. Because a lot of countries aren't aren't dicks. I saw an episode of Atlanta where they did that. Like, they went yeah, to a party lame. where a dude was like ending his life, <laughs> but they didn't know they were there for that reason. Oh, okay, yeah. They okay. were at a party, and they see the dude laying on the bed. He's got this contraption like over his head, like it's when soft. he's ready. No, it, it's like a plastic bag, and it just came down and like went over. His head. It's when he's strapped to the bed, so he can't. And then sitting there, like, what the. Fuck did we just walk into? That's why I'm not joining that club. <laughs> yeah. It seems like that would be a real weird like initiation. <laughs> like, hey, all you gotta do is die. Yeah, all gotcha. you gotta do is be willing. Welcome to. aboard. Yeah, no. I'm gonna go so, with the uh, Alfalfa Club. I'm gonna put you in the Alfalfa Club. Yeah, I, I'd go with the roundabout. 
I think I think the roundabout if society to, is if I had to join yeah, the roundabout is because that's that's what you would do. That's you know, cool, you just man. be like just hanging yeah. around roundabout. That's cool. The the roundabout one is cool. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be up cool. your alley right there. You know, you ain't doing yeah. much. You get to hang around. All right. You know, one, each year, one member gets to go to like another country or something. Gets to go to around the, 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 the boot. Yeah, so yeah. He'll, he'll get to go to all the ones in Anderson County. Right. <laughs> Next year, Fred's blessed to go to Spartanburg <laughs> and visit their little... hundreds of rune boots. <laughs> And he can, <laughs> the, and he can select tins. which one gets a windmill. That one on Woodruff Road. That one yeah, on, that, isn't there one on Woodruff Road right at the end? At the end, there's is, a bunch. Yeah, there's a bunch. That's my favorite one. My favorite one. No, that's my favorite the one. Biggest one we got. No, 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 I don't know, man. My favorite one. Millennium is probably, Drive has one. Right, that's the one right there. Has one. Yeah. yeah, that's my favorite one because that one is very confusing to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's so. Weird. I have it's seen multiple people. I saw one time I went out there and there were people protesting somebody. Just sitting in the room to boot, just protesting away. Protesting the room to boot. I don't know what they were protesting. They were just mad as hell about, and they were standing in the room to boot. And I was like, "Well, okay, that's a great way to get your message out." That's right. Everybody sees it. Everybody sees it. And I was like, "That's a risky maneuver, man. Standing right there. These people do not know how to drive." Yeah, you ever seen somebody hit one? Like. Yeah, like launch off of it and shoot off of it. Yeah, dude. I seen that video on that one. Yeah, (laughs) that's my kind of room to boot society. Fucking air, man. (laughs) Well, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be back with more of the Black Lincoln Collective room to boot society. It'll it'll be room to boot a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll be back in room to boot one minute, mate. The Black Lincoln Collective Podcast will return after a word from our sponsors. The new episode of the Black Lincoln Collective Podcast just dropped on blcpodcast.com. You want to come to the bathroom and listen to it? Sure. The Black Lincoln Collective Podcast, the only podcast for gays and <laughs> gays in the gays in rest area bathrooms is the number one rated the 111th edition of the Blackling Collective Podcast. We are so glad you're still with us and somehow you sat through my deciding which secret society I would join because that was a mess. So <laughs> I am so happy to uh, to introduce what we we foreshadowed in the beginning of the show, Fred, and I said it was going to be great and I told you right. it was going to happen because you I believe did. in the power of positive thinking, Fred. There you go. So we See are about too. to be joined any second now. 
As soon as Alan does whatever he does. <laughs> I like doing that. I know. You so much for doing that. Every time. I'm like, do it. That's the cube. He never let gets it. Let it go. Let it go. By, so we are joined by Chelsea Turbining Coxie. She is a dream coach. She does dream analysis. And she's awesome. She showed up. We so much appreciate that because we were a little worried for a minute. Fred was mostly worried. So welcome to the show, Chelsea. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm happy to be here. I'm sorry I'm... About an no, hour late. You're right on time. <laughs> no, you're Don't right worry. On. Don't no, even worry good. a little bit. So can you tell us a little bit about what a dream coach does? Because we don't really, I really don't know. And I didn't want to look it up because I didn't want to spoil myself. Oh, I love that. Okay. Well, I, uh, dream analysis, uh, there are different takes. Each culture has its own take on it. But it's really trying to find yourself and the symbolism in dream analysis. Um, so what I do with my dream analysis sessions is I'm a, I call myself a Jungian enthusiast. So I love Carl Jung. I am. So I take his approaches a lot um, and it gets very metaphysical with a lot of psych- psychology involved. So, and they tend to mirror each other. Um, and I call it a self discovery and a soul discovery as it has a lot of metaphysics and psychology involved. And it's that's really interesting. They're amazing it's sessions. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I can only imagine. Uh, so, you, of course, check her out at ChelseaTurpeningCoxie.com. We'll put a link in the description of this week's show, as well as on our socials and everything, so you guys can check it out. Uh, of course, so do you do them virtually, or do you do it through Zoom, or is that your preferred way to do it? Yeah, I do them through Zoom, or you connect with me on Facebook. I will Facebook call as well, so I'm so very how- casual. Let me uh, let me ask. How does a, a session usually go? Does, the, does someone just tell you their dreams, and then they you kind of are like, well, let me walk you through how what that could mean, or as I again, this is very interesting to me. So I just to let you know, <laughs> I have been writing down. I get I have the weirdest dreams. I swear to God, and and maybe I don't. Maybe you're like, oh, those are super normal. Everybody has <laughs> dreams about this. I doubt it. But um, so I've been writing down my dreams for like the last couple nights, and I was like, I'm gonna like, we're gonna shock her. It's gonna be shocking all. <laughs> so I'll just be warned. Like I, I used to, uh, but you know, it's unfortunately not legal where we're at. But occasionally, I used to indulge in some sort of illegal activities that kind of shut dreams off for a while because my dreams had a tendency to be so intense. But over the last couple of I don't know while, I have not engaged in those activities. And so my dreams have come back with a vengeance. And, yeah. and I just give you a fair warning. These shits are weird. So we will get to that point where I can, like, whenever you're ready, I will happily do this. But I do have some questions for you beforehand, if that's okay. Yeah. So um, do you, and, and again, and I, this is maybe a dumb question, but I just want to, do you feel like all dreams mean something or can they just be like random conglomerations of thoughts? Uh, it's a mix of both. Uh Sometimes we are literally just processing our emotional states or how our daily experiences are, Um, but we also experience ourselves. um, I work with the internal family system, which is IFS. Uh, Robert Schwartz, I believe, is the one who came up with that, and it is a godsend with dream analysis. It really breaks it down into um, our fragmented fragmented aspects of ourselves. Um, So we are... On the exterior, we are one person, but internally, we are many. And the voices appear in dreams with messages, uh, usually with balance, wanting something to be heard or brought back to wholeness, healing, all of that. And then I say that that is one layer of our dreams. So we have our processing of the emotional daily, right? And then you've got the 
internal family system dreams. And then we have the mass collective or something metaphysical where it's not just us in our space, but we are experiencing other conscious aspects, spirits or metaphysical experiences as well. Um, and so I always, when I do dream analysis with people, I don't interpret one dream. I interpret all of them as tiny puzzle pieces that make one large picture. Um, and that's where it gets really interesting. Uh, it does sound super interesting. So yeah, do, you, somewhere. do you request that people like kind of like to journal their dreams for a certain amount of time? Is yeah. Like a week, a month, or just like, oh, for, what you it's what, like? whatever you can. Just start journaling it and then continue journaling. Um, I also say that if there's dreams in the past, like before you have a session with me, if there's a dreams in the past you want to talk about, if it's a cluster or even one, let's dive into them, especially in the first session. Um, so I, and I, what I'm doing is I'm teaching people to know how to understand their personal symbolism, but also mass collective symbolism and to bring it somewhere in a space that's um applicable to yourself sure uh, so is it yeah. kind of a form of therapy then to an extent like you kind of get you can kind of like like you said you can kind of read about you kind of learn about yourself through through what your i guess your subconscious is is presenting you when you're you know not able to hold it back yeah and like and it's funny because you say that your dreams came back with a vengeance i've noticed that when i create the space of dream analysis for people uh, they'll be like, oh, I don't have a lot of dreams. I don't, you know, I don't remember them as much sometimes. And then as soon as they start dream analysis, it comes with a vengeance and it like spews out with mm. all this internal voices and whatnot. So it's, yeah, it's fun. It's <laughs> so weird. All right. So let me give you one. I, I got to do it. I got to give you one oh, because okay. it's like, okay, go ahead. Before, before, before that, I, I just got a simple question. This is probably off topic. This is, I know it's way off. Do you believe in aliens? Yeah, we actually, yeah. they come in dreams a lot. So, right, yeah, okay, we do okay. demonology, aliens, yeah, guides, yeah. anything metaphysical or multidimensional. Yeah. We got a lot okay. going on in dream really? house. Okay. Yep. Fred's a big alien guy. Not like he. Oh, I, I mean, love aliens. Not know, that he I'm is an alien. alien. I am an alien. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh my. <laughs> It's uh, great. <laughs> go ahead, Matt. Tell us. Okay, okay. So, well, well, now that actually leads me to another sort of kind of question. What is your take or your opinion on like lucid dreaming? Because oh, I, I would, have, I have always wanted to do lucid dreaming. I've never been able to like accomplish it. I know there are lots of books and stuff like that you can read to kind of help you, kind of like gain that ability to do that. You know what a lucid dream is, right, Fred? No. It's like right a, a lucid dream is is a dream where you can control it essentially. So it's a dream where you, your that. consciousness wakes up. Right. In the dream. I, do I, can do I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. I'll have dr- I, I have dreams, and I'll be like, I'm dreaming. This is yeah, a dream. I want to see if I, I know I'm dreaming, my, and then yeah, I know and, I'm dreaming, and I can yeah. fly and stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. Lucid all day. Yep. Yeah. Because like, and I'm sorry, man, but like, no, no, no. I, I'm mad at Alan. I'm not mad I at usually, you. I, <laughs> <laughs> I usually have this dream, like two reoccurring dreams that I have, and I like both of them. But one of them is in, like, I'm in an empty mall, and, like, they just waxed the floors or whatever. It's just, like, a big space, and I'm ice skating on my socks, in my socks. Like, I'm just, like, skating around the whole thing, and I'm, I'm loving it. And there's another one, like Alan said, it's flying, and it's, like, I'm on the ground and then I can just, you know what I'm saying? And like, mm-hmm. yeah. see everything from an aerial view. Those are two like dreams that I have. And I like, like you said, I, I try to control those 
when I have them because I like them. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I have <laughs> in my case, it's one. It's I'm back home. And there's always there's always a, like a tidal wave. Coming. Back home is Puerto Rico. Puerto, Puerto Rico, Rico yeah. And there's always like Are a tidal wave. Huh? And I'm a kid, yeah. Okay. And and a, there's always a tidal wave coming towards the house, and and I get scared, and I'm like, oh wait a minute, I'm dreaming, and I'll just I'll just go and fly away. <laughs> you know, it's like I know that I'm dreaming. Right, mm-hmm. right. You know, it's kind of it's weird. I mean, well, for those of us who have don't have the mental capacity, apparently, thanks, Brain, <laughs> to do that, is there is there anything you can recommend me other than hanging out with these jerks that could help me to, to, to be able to do that in any way, really? Yeah, come to my workshop tomorrow night. Oh, okay. uh, I got my lucid dreaming workshop, actually, tomorrow oh, night. Awesome. Oh, there yeah. There you go. Um, but no, there's a lot of techniques. So I'm sure you could just Google techniques because for me, I only go off of my own experiences. So I'm not a right. lucid dreaming coach, but there are people who literally just teach lucid dreaming awareness and how you could like use it as a self-discovery or a soul discovery. And like lucid dreaming is interesting because it is an awareness, right? And it's kind of an odd term, but you can also astral project. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that before. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's quite similar, honestly. Astral projection is you experiencing something outside of your conscious space yeah. or your internal home space, right? right. Um, and your uh, for you, your dream going back home and having the tidal wave it sounds like an inner child dream. I all and I love inner child dreams, so it's and they're popular because obviously we're all a child at one point and we carry a lot of that within us, even as adults. Um, an inner child always has something to say, or if it's uncomfortable, or if it wants to express something, or even if it's something that happened in childhood that you want to have um, acknowledged. It could be just like even a fear or a feeling or an insecurity of whatever that was, right? Um, yes, yeah, so I used to have a lot of nightmares, a lot of nightmares that were tidal waves that I'd be looking out the because we live next to the ocean. And yeah. I would look out and see the tidal wave coming. And I remember those were my nightmares. It was literal no. fear then of, no. yeah. Now I just fly away. You know? Well, that's beautiful. And, and uh, nature does cause a lot of damage. So it, it's, I have people who have dreams about thunderstorms because they live in areas where there's a lot of tornadoes and it literally devastates or right. something to be afraid of. Um, but sometimes it's even like family dynamics or how you know, just whatever, maybe an insecurity. So I always say like symbolism is not black and white. Uh, it evolves with us and it holds very deep layers of meanings. And so a dream you have, you say you had a dream last night and it holds a, a meaning to you today, six months from now, it will evolve into a much deeper meaning. If that makes sense. Um, and your dream with the mall sounds really familiar with the ideas of like dreams with airports or going through mazes. Those mm. usually represent your process going through life. So it sounds like you're kind of skating through life a little Same. bit. Wow. Yeah. Ooh, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Man, stop having these people all telling me the truth. <laughs> yeah. I love this stuff. <laughs> uh, Chelsea, a few weeks ago, we were lucky to be joined uh, by, with, by a lady named Linda Fay. And she was a tarot reader and medium. And um, I think it was about a month ago now, three weeks ago, something like that, a month ago. And she absolutely destroyed our minds. Like, like she did, like, a quick tarot reading for my wife and then, uh, who was not obviously on the show tonight, 
And uh, she also did just some, like, some, I guess, channeling or whatever, mediuming. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I have no idea what it's called. For, like, Alan and for us just in general. And it was it was sincerely, like, okay, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm the most skeptical probably one on the show. Like, I'm generally very much like, oh, if I can't see it or, like, touch it or feel it, I, it's bullshit. You know, usually <laughs> I, I, like, I, I like to think that. But then, like. And honestly, this is one of the reasons we do this show is because we we get to talk to people that are just not what we're used to. You know what I mean? Right. In a good way. So we've had a lot of people on that. I'm like, holy crap, man! Like I, there's a, a very like grumpy old man part of me that's like, this is everything's bullshit. But like, the more people we talk to, the more I'm like, oh my god, man! Like I've been I've been a little bit of a sucker to myself because like sincerely. Like when I hear, like I said, talking to her, and then I'm, I feel like yeah. as soon as I tell you these dreams, you're going to be like, well, go check yourself into a psych ward. But, that which like is fine. Boring. No, it's fine. I, it's probably a good thing. Uh, <laughs> but it's like one of those things, it, it does, I have, to, I have to admit, it opens up your consciousness, it opens up your mind, yeah. and, and makes me think, holy crap, there is more to, you know, to life and to like our existence than, you know, just what you can see and touch. Yeah. Yes. So it really did. Like, I, I'm not shitting you. Oh, by the way, for the listeners, Linda will be back for our Halloween episode. She wants, she asked me if she could come back and do some something. I have no, no. idea what. But I feel like it's going to be not great. Uh, I'm a little worried, no. if I'm being honest. She's going to, like, channel somebody that we don't want yeah. to have on the show. No. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. But, uh, yeah, but I have to say, like I said, sincerely, like hearing from you and then hearing from, from the, all these different kind of folks, it's, it's really is very much an eye opening experience. Um, and so I I do appreciate you coming on. So let me give you, I'm going to give you, uh, I have three dreams that I wrote down. Um, and they're, they were interesting. Um, so I'll give them to you one at a time and then feel free to give me your feedback on them. Or if you want to wait for all three and then wait to the end, that's great too. So these were over a course of the last three nights. Um, and again, like I said, I, I have always had really, really intense dreams. Uh, some of them have guest stars, Robert De Niro frequents a lot of my dreams or used to back in the day. Um, and, and it's a very cinematic experience. I really don't understand why, but um, it just is. It's weird. So my first dream and the shortest one, and then this is really all I could get when I, you know, because like I said, I woke up and I was like, I have to write this down, was that um, I had a dream two nights ago that I was trying to write a parody song based on Miley Cyrus's Party in the USA, but it was about Krispy Kreme donuts. What? That was the whole dream. I don't know. I just was writing, like, the whole dream was me running around like, how can I make Party in the USA about donuts? And then, like... <laughs> Writing it in my head, and I wish I would have written down some of the lyrics that I had come up with in the dream, because I'm sure that they were very great. I'm starting the Krispy Kreme. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> it was really weird, Fred. Like so, I don't know what you could pull off that one, but uh, <laughs> let's go through all three dreams. Okay, let's go. Yeah, the other ones, and again, they they just get weirder. Um, so two night or the night before that was, uh, I went to a nice restaurant with my family. Uh, and got a standing ovation for working with a guy who happened to be eating there. Okay, uh, we we went to get food to go, and keep in mind, I w- like like woke up and immediately like typed these into my phone. So some of the words may not actually be words. Just as I'm reading this now, because I didn't really read these before, I just typed them in and went back to sleep. Uh, so anyway, so I got a standing ovation for working with a guy who happened to be eating there. Uh, we went to get food to go to go in the middle of the meal. And the lady gave me a shirt 
but refused to give me my food unless I agreed to let them sell my house. She said it had to be a serious offer for me to get my food. Uh, then when I got back, all the food was gone. Then I forgot to say, <laughs> this is so stupid. Then I forgot to set my fantasy football lineup and my app wouldn't work. So I had no quarterback and Brock Purdy, who's a quarterback for the 49ers had 20 points already. Then I tried to pick up Kenny Pickett, but the app wouldn't load at the store that we were in. And that was the end of the dream. I have no idea. Oh my this is what I deal with, Fred. This is what I deal with every night, Fred. I wake up and I'm like, what shit is going on around this is here? Starbucks smoking. <laughs> yeah. You might be right. So then last night, and again, this just gets weirder. Uh, I live, I dreamed that I lived with my mom and my grandmother who my grandmother has since passed or has not since last night, but has passed like five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Just for the record, it wasn't like, Oh, I dreamt about it. And then she died this morning and I'm like, Hey, let's do the show. <laughs> so, uh, but so she's, you know, so I live with them, but they refuse to eat so that they didn't have to worry about it. What it is. I don't know. Uh, and then I have, I was forced to pee into a trash can filled with kitty litter and, <laughs> And then went back to my room where I watched humongous ants fight weird bugs on my bed. Then I got stung on the finger by one of the weird bugs. So I went outside and had a karate fight in an alley until everyone started running towards me in a crowd because the aliens no had showed up. This is exactly what happened, Fred. Oh, so cool. All because right. then aliens showed up and I smoked a cigarette and I quit smoking cigarettes a long time ago. So... And then I woke up, and that was the dream. I just again, oh, these are the this Fred. This is what is in this head all the time. This oh, symbolism is really interesting, but I love it. Is it because I feel like yeah. it's more just retardedness? No offense, no. To retarded people. No. So the the subconscious will use whatever material it has to get the message across. <laughs> That's why I say your symbolism is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so your Miley Cyrus is a creation of trying to collaborate, maybe something very random, putting it together, right? So don't look at the details per se at what it is like in daytime. Okay. Think of yeah. what it could it actually mean in definition on a deeper level. Yeah. Sounds like you're trying to create something to build something. Um, this middle dream sounded like there was a lot of congratulations, you reaching your goals, getting that, right? And then that last dream with your grandmother and uh, smoking a cigarette and all that sounded like maybe that you needed some guidance and there was some stress related to trying to do that. So if you look at them as clusters, because when I look at dreams, I look at them as puzzle pieces. Um, I don't just interpret one dream individually as a solid thing on its own, even though it can be, they really paint a bigger picture and it's not just even in one night. It can be within a grouping of several months. So it sounds like you're trying to build or work on a project or something that's going to take some collaboration of creativity to bring it together. No matter how random it might feel as individuals, you have to pull it together into something, right? Um, the moment you do that, there will be congratulations or this uh, feeling of winning within yourself, even if it has the celebrities involved and all the hype. Right. But it does also sound like that maybe um, you have some ancestors involved in the metaphysical aspect or some oomph behind it, not being just you per se, but you have uh, a metaphysical push behind it too. Um, if that makes sense or a full push. Uh and it's probably not an easy task. I assume it'll be difficult. And I don't know if that resonates with you a little bit on 
on yeah, a definitely daytime does. application. I'm just right. kind of going off of not knowing you on a personal level. Sure, sure. Yeah. But not yet, but now that I'll get If you pulled that out of what he said. Yep. Fred, I, love I love it. symbolism. I love Fred that your dream is like I was. I, I was skating in shoes in a mall, and I'm like I had fucking alien cigarette karate fights and peed in litter boxes and got bit by bugs. There's some conflict and trial and pushing forward. But Most of my conflict and trial yeah. is with the guy right here. <laughs> it sounds like he's the perfect mix. Then he's such a douche. <laughs> Wait, well, not me. Come on. I wasn't pointing at you. No, no he's pointing at me. I... <laughs> oh, you pointed at me. No. I... Yes, I was pointing. Oh, I see. I didn't think we all. I thought we all saw the same. I don't say nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys are familiar with tarot, but dreams have an energy about it and flow of how it progresses. The same as symbolism as tarot cards are. And okay. I, I, I love when, tarot. I use a lot myself. So they're when very you were much. reading him. When you were reading him, you were saying some of the like same things that uh, Miss Faye was saying, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 So they they are very synchronistic, or right. which is really crazy it. to me. Like, right. And that's again, that's why I'm saying I can't. As much as I want to be like, oh, everything is stupid and not real. Right. I can't do that anymore, Fred, and that hurts my heart. And maybe that's the conflict. Well, I work my with egos like, a lot, by the way, and the ego normally is an analytical aspect of ourselves that wants to make sense of the intuition, and it is its own process, but they can and will support each other. So it's it's just feeding the ego or the analytical aspects of ourselves the right information to be able to understand it. Hmm. Okay. Powerful, right? Yeah. I was completely over yeah. Alan's head. Whenever he goes, no, no. <laughs> No, I, I, I understood completely. It. Actually, I understood. You know, she spoke English this time. That's crazy. So man. Like, that is crazy. Like, and I have to say, so you definitely, everybody, please check out Chelsea Turping Coxie.com. Also, Turpening Coxie, excuse me.com. Again, we'll put it in the thing. Check out her Facebook page. Uh, again, it's just amazing. So what got you into to wanting to do this? My personal dreams. Uh, Were your dreams about, more about analyzing yeah. dreams? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, no, I always say that dreams will harass you until they're heard. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right. And, uh, yep, they do that. So it's uh, so for me, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with spiritual awakening terms, but or awakening to yourself and having awareness on what's going on with the within our own engine, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, so I had bad depression for a very long time, and I was hitting, like, rock bottom, and at that point, I was like, something's gotta give, and my dreams were harassing the crap out of me really bad, and um, I really didn't know anything about dreams, so it was at the point where I was like, what does this even freaking mean, <laughs> and so I started my own self-discovery and journey and my own self-studies on it, and I really started to pick up on it really well, and then I realized... Um, uh, symbolism is its own language so it's like learning another language uh, and when you start to understand that each person individually has their own uh, symbolic language which is you know you have your mass collective 
uh, archetypes and symbolism and all that, right? But then you have your own personal that's unique to you. You realize that the subconsciousness has its own language and it really is trying to speak to us. But it's not just it, your subconsciousness, it's your internal aspects. So it got me into Carl Jung. And I may or may not have done some illegal activities as well to uh, <laughs> pull that out of myself. But it was just this huge aha moment where I was like, I just want to understand what's going on in here and why, like, what are, what's going on with the dreams? And um, then I realized, you know, it started me on my journey a few years ago where I was like, okay. And, you know, I started the the process of after I figured it out with my, myself, cause I was doing my own dream journal. And when I looked at my dream journal and read it on a, like a book, I was like, what the hell? It made sense. Like a puzzle pieces to build a, bigger puzzle and like at that point it was just like light bulbs were going off and I was like oh my god and it was this huge self-discovery but not just self-discovery on who I was in this life but a soul journey too and um you know like we have past life regressions akashic records that pop up we and I have my guides I have like okay so aliens right I have alien guides (laughs) and uh they teach me stuff. And once I became aware of them and started utilizing my tools and whatever in that aspect, it really just, it really was what I got to call a spiritual journey. And then, um, and then I started to take the course of learning how to bring it to a space for other people, because it was something I was very passionate about. So it was first within myself and then learning how to do it for other people. Um, and at this point it, you know, I love how our brain works consciously and subconsciously and how it holds many identities and aspects that are really complicated, but truly they're not that complicated. We, we just have a lot going on. Once you kind of start to understand, like you said, the, the cues and the, and what the symbolism could mean, it, it starts to make a lot more sense, I think. Definitely. So that's something I even teach in my sessions. I was like, ideally, I don't want a client to work with me for a few months and go away, not knowing how to analyze themselves. Right. It's a tool that I give you that will last a lifetime. Well, that was going to actually going to be my next question is so, so you do encourage, Oh, friends gone. That's fine. Uh, this is all a dream to him anyway. So, um, <laughs> so you do encourage people to, to learn to kind of read their own uh, or at least be able to somewhat interpret their own dreams. Yeah. Is there anything? And again, I'm not by any means like, Hey, give us free stuff. But, um, Maybe a little bit. Is there anything that you're, I, I, I guess, like some tent poles for that you would maybe kind of teach the people and say, like, if you have these kinds of dreams or, if you, or this recurring theme generally means this, or is it more, or is it more like personalized toward specific people? A, a mix of both. But there are certain dreams that really are common. Like uh, when he said he was going through the mall. Malls are popular dreams. Airports are popular. Going through a maze. Um, those tend to be a lifespan or going through life. When you find yourself exploring a house, if it's your current house or just a random house that even feels familiar, it's you on an internal scale and you're exploring yourself. So you can go from room to room. Hallways represent transitional phases usually. Um, it's really quite popular and it's funny that it stays true to even like the individual person so i i call those like archetypes still or maybe not like an archetype because archetypes are like technically carl Jung explains them as spirits or their own personality so it's more of like a person versus 
an experience of what you would have like on your sure. like a house or of the mall so like um but it's how we view ourselves overall as a whole symbolically um so like a lot of people are exploring houses um i noticed that a lot of the time the inner child will also be very prevalent um that's why i was like when you said you were back at home and having the tidal waves that was a, probably a serious fear of actual nature effects but there's probably something deeper to it as well that tends to be the case um and it's the inner child speaking out we also have a feminine and masculine side those each uh we all have that. So they always have their voices for balance. So like you being men, you probably have dreams about women um, that you're in love with or feel close to or interested in, but you don't know them in real life. That would be your feminine side. Um, I, I, you know, I've had many dreams with the masculine aspect. Um, it's the, the duality aspects that Carl Jung talks about a lot. Um, just as like common things, right? The anima and the animus. Um, or masculine and feminine, they, you know, depends on where you're, you can call it whatever you want. It means the same yeah. thing. Um, at the end of the day, there are certain aspects of us that build the human mind. So like, we've got the inner child, we've got the feminine and masculine, our higher self. Then we have like our guides. Um, and the guides are not always as obvious, but when you want to set the intention to have them face to face, you will notice you do have guides. If it be ancestors, aliens, or even angels or something on that level, right? Um, and then. So, like Miley Cyrus would probably be one of mine. No. Krispy oh, Kreme? Could that. No, I that, think that was just showing some creativity. That is a little bit of a spirit guide of mine. Usually, if I can find a hot and ready side, I'm, I'm like, that's the place I need to be. <laughs> so, Welcome back, Fred. So, do you when 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 does it is there like a certain pattern like it starts like your your dreams you, you have like you first have your inner and then you expand your way out or is it just random it's a little bit of both um everyone's different so people who come to me uh i usually Okay, so everyone's a little different, but it all leads to the same place. It depends on where you're at in your personal life or your experiences or whatever's going on in the daytime. So I've had clients who come to me and like immediately their dreams are like screaming the soul journey or metaphysical aspects with a lot of archetypes. They're demanding to be healed in some weird way. Um, and then it will start to bring out what I call the internal family system, which was what I was like. There's this book, No Bad Parts great book by Richard Schwartz and it's a godsend for dream analysis honestly because it really you could psychoanalyze yourself into the different portions right but each portion will have its own um, want or need or to be healed to bring back to wholeness to have a space on your platform of consciousness so like as we grow throughout life or go through experiences we tend to exile certain aspects of ourselves Sometimes the inner child is one of the main, especially in society where we're supposed to be responsible, be adults, um, you know, and we don't allow ourselves to be childlike and or playful or fun. And, and that's still who we have at a very tender aspect of our soul. Um, so there's usually a lot of inner child stuff going on. But then we also have like the higher self, which is the, the future us that we want to embody or become. And that shows itself a lot in the need of wanting to connect, wanting you to, to come reach to it um, or to choose it. Uh, guides are always there to help. 
And when I, it's funny because it took me a couple of years to connect with my guides. Like, you know, and I think it was kind of some internal fear a little bit on that um, or a belief system. But when I work with some of my clients, they immediately connect with their guides. And I'm like, oh, my God. And it's like <laughs> jaw dropping because the experiences are insanely. And it's just in your face right there. Couldn't be anything else, you know, and they set the intention before they go to bed even to just experience their guides. Um, so like. But when we go throughout life and our experiences in life, we tend to manifest extra aspects of ourselves. Um, so some of those are not necessarily always authentic. They're picked up from other people, maybe like your mom or your parents or any authoritative figures. Um, the ego is really big in dreams. It tends to show up as a manager, something trying to control other aspects of our shadows or ex exiled aspects, trying to manage them, push them aside, chase them. Um, so we see a lot of just, there's a lot going on. Uh, you could have like 10 different characters in your head and they're all choosing different symbolism or patterns to represent themselves. And some of them get along and some of them don't. And it gets very obvious sometimes, but uh, so what I say is usually we start out with internal family system dreams, but they're usually tied in with metaphysical dreams too that mirror the internal, um, which makes sense because, you know, it's always a mirror, you know, or a magnetic thing. Right. And then, um, and then if people come to me and they're having a daytime struggle, I can't get to any of those points until we figure out the daytime struggle. If it be a, whatever that be, everyone's different. So like, you know, if say one client's got a mother who's a narcissist and controlling her life too much as an adult. So it's a lot of inner child things coming out, but at the same time, we can't get to like this depthness within her until we resolve what's on the surface. Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen that a few times. So even with, uh, I'm say demonology, she popped up. I had one client who was struggling with, um, archetypes of like Freddy Krueger and nightmares since he was a kid and it was manifesting physically in his life to the point where he came to me and like we had to spend a month working on like demons and uh, trying to get to higher realms and to escape but once as soon as we got out of that it was immediately a self-discovery journey so I always say it kind of goes in a process um, so if you have something in your daytime that's really struggle you're struggling with that tends to be the thing we have to address first and then it gets deeper under the skin or the next layer of the self-discovery and then the soul discovery. That's amazing. So I, that made me, what you were just talking about made me think of, I used to have this very recurring dream um, for probably over the course of a couple of years where I would be in this, I would own some, for some reason, this gigantic house. Like, and when I say gigantic, I mean like 30 plus rooms, just humongous, not like a mansion. It was always very tall and very like like normal size, like I guess footage wise, like on the bottom. But it was always like very tall, and like half of it was destroyed, and it was just and it was always very 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 haunted by things that wanted to destroy like me and everybody that was in the house. And it yeah. wasn't always other people in the house. Sometimes like some you know some people would show up, some people would not be in there, and it was always something that really creeped me the hell out. I would wake up a lot, and like I said, that was one of the reasons for drugs. Uh, but it was one of those things where, I mean, seriously, I know it sounds bad, but, like, I mean, it really would. Like, I, it would, 
And that's one of the things I was talking about seriously when I say my dreams are intense. Like, a lot of times they'll stick, good or bad, they'll kind of stick with me throughout the day um, yeah. and even into, you know, the next day. But that was something that so that has always freaked me out. And like, like I said, thankfully, and, you know, knock on wood, hopefully I won't have that dream anytime soon. But it was kind of a recurring theme that it would always be this, and it, was, it wasn't always the same house, but it was always this gigantic, crumbling, like, mansion-esque house that was, like, terrifically, like, vilely uh, haunted. So I have no idea what that means. I'm sure it probably means that, you know, I eat too much candy or something. But... Well, you know, I, you know, that's the thing, man, is like, it's one of those things, too. And I'm sure you probably experience this all the time that, like, it's coming. there are people who want to know, but there's also, like, me, who kind of doesn't want to know. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I do want to know. There's, like, the morbid curiosity of, like, hey, does this mean that I'm, like, that there's something over the shoulder at all times? Like, just waiting on me, like that freaking weird thing from Insidious where I'm just going to do this? And gonna be like a, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, but at the same time, like, I'm like, I don't... If it's real bad, can you just be like, oh, it's great. It's normal. Everybody has crazy haunted house dreams all the time. It's, it's fine. No, yeah, you're great. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's like, yeah, you're good. Yeah. You're, you're good. good. You're good. <laughs> well, I got to go. Good, great show. Thanks, guys. Uh, I'm going to you again. <laughs> um, something I've noticed working with the internal family system and mirroring metaphysical experiences the house, or is it a tower, or is it a mansion? It's yeah, it's kind of more of like a towery house. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. it's not like a, yeah, it would be like it's like an old Victorian style black house with, like I said, some some holes in the in the walls throughout it, huge rooms with staircases, like very open, big rooms. God, I'm, I'm gonna dream about this tonight. I'm gonna say it just real chill, and you gotta no, it's cool. You gotta do a self discovery on it. It's you. Oh, damn. The house is you. Me. It's you. But uh, there's a mirror effect here. So I can't say the whole aspect is you. But when we work with the internal family system, which is what uh, you have a disconnected aspect of yourself that you deny or don't consider you. And maybe it's just this ugly aspect of yourself you're afraid of and you keep kind of hidden in the closets or the shadows, but it's tearing you up and in the inside. And what I've noticed is that it does metaphysically connect with a energy match to something that would be demonic. Not to freak you out. But I've no, no, it doesn't freak me out. Honestly, and it's really, com- it's so common. I mean, it's, yeah. it's really common. So I'm not. Trying to freak people. Well, see, out. and I, I've told you know, I've told our listeners, I've told Fred and Alan as well many times. I come from a broken home, Chelsea. So you never know what you know what I mean. And right. it sounds you think crazy it's to your say, inner child, maybe. I don't know. He's Are you dick. connected with your know. inner child, or maybe it didn't heal properly from? I probably, I probably deny my inner child. Sorry, Mrs. Torres. Bring <laughs> him down. <laughs> but I probably deny that those feelings have a tendency to kind of shut them off um, and try not it's to dwell. Hard. Only as I only, and you can, like I said, the guys, I we I do joke about this because thankfully my neither my dad nor my mom <laughs> listened to this show um, that I'm aware Thank of. God. <laughs> So yeah, I, you know they were never around. Why would they listen to this this thing? That I did? But uh, no, I'm kidding. But uh, but no. So I tend to I tend to cover it up with you know with my attempts at humor, and I'm sure that that's probably part of it because that's kind of how I coped as a child. I think humor. That's why we're all friends. 
Because we're all doing that. Because Fred's the one who made my parents divorce. Yeah. <laughs> I assume. I slept, I, I slept with your dad. Again. <laughs> Again. Well, no, that is that is super interesting, though. And it's crazy because, I mean, you think about it. And like I said, it does. It's one of those things that I would have. At the beginning of the show, had you said, hey, you know, think about like recurring dreams, stuff like that. I wouldn't have even thought about it. But when you mentioned the Freddy Krueger thing, it like the whole the whole visual picture of it just yeah. like flashed in my head. And not and like I said, and it's just one of those things. Like I said, waking up, waking up worried is always like a you know, it's one of those things that like I'm just like, oh, this is not a good thing to wake up and feel this way. Like have these, you know, it's not a great way to start your day when you're like, hey, great, I'm haunted by things that I can't explain. Hooray! It lingers. Now, have you experienced sleep paralysis? No, thankfully I have not. You have? have yeah. No, yeah. I'm very thankful My, that I, up I, now. since I was young, like I've had that. Um, and my my grandparents always just said the devil was riding me. That was like their, you, you know. Call my dad the devil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> that <Yep>. sounds interesting. <laughs> I thought for a number of years my dad was Pat Sajak. So, but anyway, yeah. But no, that's crazy. That friend, I didn't even know yeah. that about you, man. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And I still get it. Like, well. I've got the we did a sleep study and you know they say I have a sleep apnea so now I use the machine the CPAP machine so like it doesn't really happen anymore but like there'll be nights where I don't use the machine and <laughs> you know what I'm saying I'm waking up like ah there it is you know what I'm saying it's coming on yeah but yeah I've had I, that. I see sleep paralysis from the physical aspect and the metaphysical. So that's why I always ask. And so the sleep apnea would make sense if you're not able to breathe right. and you're caught in between this weird sleep and awake phase that would make right. a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. There's some people who are completely healthy experiencing sleep paralysis and they're seeing right. the sh- their eyes are open and they're seeing the, sh- the demon or the shadows right. lingering over their bed. That's a very different thing but i do understand how like the sleep phases work and how you can be caught in between maybe rem or your body's right. sleep but you're waking there is this weird cat mm. like caught up moment too right so no but like before that like when i was young though like and you know i wasn't i guess the weight caused the sleep apnea but like i was a young young guy and, <laughs> and i would have that and like my, my grandfather was a uh he was a he was a uh, Methodist preacher, and like my grandma, she you know she was big in the church too. So like they made me sleep with the Bible under my bed, and like they had me shook. You know what I'm saying? It adds, adds extra fear and paranoia, which is right. Good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, especially for a child, right? You know, I was probably what 10, 12 years old. Like, You're like, oh my god, yeah. oh my god, and then like <laughs> to make it worse, like we we lived like on a farm. So like we would get like rodents in the house and shit, and we had this huge rat that had started clawing at my closet at night. Oh no! Yeah, that's creepy. Yeah, I lived in an old farmhouse once where we had raccoons in the attic, and they were literally throwing stuff out the house. It was funny. They would tear up the insulation and throw it out. Oh my uh, god, it's gonna be scary. Yeah, Yeah, that's crazy. That is like one of my biggest fears, and I'm very thankful that that's not something that I've had to deal with up to this point. 
No, not rodents. <laughs> Generally <laughs> raccoons and rats. Closets, actually, Fred. Not, they're so disorganized. Uh, no, no, like sleep paralysis, man, because I've seen people, oh, yeah. you know, I've heard the stories of, like, like I said, like mm-hmm. the, the shadowy figures and shit and, like, climbing yeah. on them. And that just freaks right. me all out, man. Like right. I just It's very real in yeah. that aspect, yeah. That's so why I was yeah. like, well, I understand the, the physical health aspect of it. So there right. is a right. difference. Mm-hmm. Um, do you use an inhaler or do you have, or is it just no. at night? Just at night? Yeah, it's just at night. Yeah, yeah, Just at night. Okay. I think that's, that's like crazy. when the heart slows down and you're resting. You're in a very deep right. rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They say I got huge tonsils, so like... Uh, Fred. He says that's why you never shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I said it's a whole delay. Every one of our guests, you're like, so I have huge thoughts. I just want to get that out of the <laughs> <laughs> That's why we love you, friends. Those tonsils, baby. Oh, Keeps that voice silky smooth. Oh, <laughs> Well, so I do have one more question, and then I don't want to keep you uh, or anything like that. But um, and of course, we would love to have you back sometime very soon. On time. My wife, I'll be on my time. wife, and all of our, oh no, no, it's fine. You're coming. You're coming with the heat, so you just show up whenever you want. Right. Um, but like, I'm sure Fred, your wife probably, and my, I know my wife for sure. She asked when I told her that you were coming on that we had. She's like, oh, can I come on? She's like, she's into this stuff, like into. I don't want to say she's. She's just like she's very like connected to the metaphysical world, and like does smudge sticks and like I call it crunchy stuff just to get under her skin. But I know that like, you know, I understand there is a certain realism to it, you know, but, um, but so I, I used to have this dream all the time again. And, and again, I'm like, this one's not nearly as evil, hopefully. Um, but I just want to ask how, how like rare or how often you kind of see this stuff. I used to have uh, dreams about a race that I was in a, a race, Fred, not like a race, like racist, <laughs> thing, Fred. Thank you. But like racing, yeah, I was in a in a car race of some sort or in some sort of race, and and it was fine. It was never anything weird. But what the only thing that was weird is I would notice that like I would wake up and like you know everything would be fine. And then maybe the next night or two nights later, I would go back to sleep and the dream would continue from where I woke up the previous time. And this happened for years on end. Like it wasn't like always a race, but, and it might be a month. It might be a week. It might be the next night. It might be, I'd wake up and then go back to sleep and continue the dream. But I never obviously got to the end, which I think is probably not a bad thing necessarily. If it's like you said earlier, if it's like, Hey, that's your life. Um, but, like, I'm just curious, is that something that, like, I mean, is that pretty normal that people would just have, like, kind of continuing dreams? Or is that, like, something that's just, I, it just freaks me out, really. More than, like, I'm like, wait, is this, like, a like to be continued would pop up at the end of the dream? And then I would go, you know, like. <laughs> well, it like does. Freeze frame. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, we'll it be does. back next week in your nightmares. <laughs> it does sound like a life progression. But. I'm almost curious if it represents maybe like a soul concept too, something not just this life, but bigger, um, especially since the way it picks up and it's trying to show you in phases. But if it's doing that, it's something that is important um, and kind of unique. So if I were you, weird. I would let it develop. Um, yeah. And I haven't had a dream about it in a very long time. So, I mean, this is like, you know, this was like, probably at least two or three years ago since I've had this like, and it was always like the same rate. It was kind of a Mad Max. I used to watch a lot of Mad Max. It was kind of a Mad Max esque, like desert race, generally speaking. 
Um, and so like, so I mean, it was very identifiable as soon as I would, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, this could be a continuation of that weird dream. It was just like, Oh, and here, Oh, I'm still doing this, this race with these crazy people. It's kind of a mix. Do you remember? Uh, and I don't know if you do or not, uh, like wacky, what was it? Like wacky racers. The one like uh, the uh, Hanna Barbera, yeah, Hanna Barbera, where everybody had like their own weird car. It was like Fred yeah. Flintstone versus like Scooby Doo. So yeah, Rocky's yeah. the Moose, all the and, random yeah. characters. Yeah, and, and it was like that. It was kind of like that with it, except in a desert with me and random people every week. <laughs> I have no idea. Lie, it, it does sound like a, a very complex symbolism, where it's not just this life, but it's probably like the soul journey too. Um, everything you have to mean something. Mm-hmm. You know, the subconsciousness like will be hurt. <laughs> I know it's dude. I know. I'm telling you, man, it's crazy. Well, I'm definitely have to look into more of this. Uh, and and so you, so what are you, uh, Chelsea? What is you said you, you're doing a, a lucid dream class tomorrow night? Do you have regular classes that you do, or is it just kind of a like you know what, by appointment only, or or what do you what do you find to be the best way that you can you know help people? Well, I have one-on-one workshops, and then once a month, I try to do a group workshop for $10 that's, like, on my clients and people who want to learn how to do dream analysis and take the homework home and self-apply, um, which is very doable. I mean, yeah. that's kind of how I was doing it was self-applying to myself, um, so I'm not going to say it. it's, you know, the set, my, my sessions um, get really deep and quick and it's just very different, but like when, but you can do it on your own. So if you can't afford a one-on-one come to the group workshops that I hold just individually or independently with my clients and a couple extra people. So it'd be like 10 people, but I call it share and tell, bring your dreams with you. I don't necessarily sit there and lecture the whole time. And we just sure. dive into the material and I teach as I go. Um, I give like a little five to 10 minute lecture, just a breakdown of how I analyze dreams and how you can try to view them in different categories. But, um, I'm also, if you follow me on Facebook, I do set up live events. So I've got a lucid dreaming techniques workshop that I'm co-hosting with my friend who's uh, Jeff Randall. He does the lucid Madge. He's also on Facebook. Um, and he's a lucid dreaming technique coach. So he's much better at that than I am. I go off of my personal experiences with dream analysis, right? But he's the one who kind of does the lucid dreaming like a sport, and he's really good at it. And then um, the, um, early, I think the second week of or, uh, October 14th, where I've got my, I've got another woman who's my friend. We She is a shamanic healing practitioner. She does Akashic Records. We're doing dreams with Akashic Records, finding your soul, kind of on a deeper metaphysical aspect. Um, that will be on the 14th of October, which I think is a daytime for us because she's in Sweden. So it's a very large time difference, but she's really good. And I've been doing sessions with her personally, and she blows my mind. <laughs> like it's really? insane. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and it makes sense. So I was just bringing it with the dreams because we tend to access our soul records through our dreams symbolically, but she does it very differently through her practitioner as well. So it's kind of combining it in awareness. Um, and I, I plan on just continuing doing creative workshops. I would like to do an inner child workshop through dream analysis as well. Um, so if you follow me on Facebook, it's my, I keep my page open to the public. It's not private. It's a business page at this point. So if you want to follow me on Facebook, go for it. Um, 
I'm not the best at updating my website with all the information. So okay. we don't ever update our website either. So. Yeah, like follow me on Facebook. That's where you still have that little dancing baby, dancing baby from the '90s. We still have that on our website. <laughs> it's it's coming back. It's coming back. I can assure you. So definitely check her out. It's Chelsea Turpening Coxie, uh, dot com or on Facebook. Again, we'll make sure to link. Uh, everything to you when the show, uh, you know, when when our show comes out, which will be this upcoming Monday. Um, so, uh, one more question, and then of course you're welcome to to tell Fred how insane he is. Uh, we try to do it at least once a week. But uh, is there anything that you would say? We we kind of talked about some of the, the like the tent poles or the the main things that you're like, oh, this is you know the stuff that a lot of people dream about. Is there anything, and maybe maybe I shouldn't ask this question, um, that you're like, if you dream about this. Not a good thing. Like, this is not a good thing to dream. Like, if you keep seeing this thing, I don't know want to say run, but, you know, maybe uh, maybe slap yourself in the face or something. And again, if, you, if there's not or you don't feel comfortable, I don't I don't, wouldn't want to force anything out of you. It's you know. not something specific because symbolism is always different. So I usually see hints of the weird stuff in weird ways. Um, but some people are very obvious, though, and it shows as is. But um, when it comes to the metaphysical side... As humans, we've got the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, there is a lot of weird demon things going on in the dreamland. And you're uh, kind of open to that, right? Like, that's kind of the idea is you've kind of let down your guard. Your your pineal gland, picture it as a front door. What comes in, you know, it comes in and out. And if you're not aware that you have a front door, then it's vulnerable. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that's probably better for all of us that, that we not like know what's coming. So, well, but uh, I also I, say tarot is if anyone's interested in tarot cards, um, bless your space. But it's also a good way to, if you have a dream that's kind of needing some extra information, I often find that tarot symbolism represents a lot with the dream symbolism, and they go hand in hand almost perfectly. Um, and they, I would definitely you, say that it sounds true to like, what yeah, you can explore earlier. a lot more with it. Um, and I, I do, not all my clients pull tarot, but I say none of them are against it. And I, I do bring tarot, a tarot deck with me or a couple, like I've got a couple variations of different Oracle decks or traditional decks, but I do bring them to the sessions. And if it's needed, I will pull cards to kind of help bring clarity huh. a little bit more too. Yeah. That's amazing. That's so cool. Do you guys have anything else? Any other questions or anything? and thank you for coming on the show yes thank you so much for coming on this is awesome i, yeah. I love again, you guys' energy it's great a little scary <laughs> for me but <laughs> don't be okay. afraid don't be no, afraid. i'm not afraid because once I, once I learn how to lucid dream i can kick those ghosts ass yeah and i can win that <laughs> race finally after 20 years i can win that race oh i want that, I want that trophy <laughs> It's or you can quit. Journey. Oh, I can quit. That's true. You can quit. Me like, Fuck That'd be my problem. Be like, I, just, I, I figured out a lucid dream, but I chop, stop for cheesesteaks. Oh. <laughs> hey, my five-year-old dreams about Pennywise, and I told him ice cream. If he feeds him ice cream in his sleep, it'll kill him. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, I need to start. Please, that it works yeah, once. You got to give him a weapon. Yeah, you got to give yeah. him a weapon. Yeah. I was like, yeah. it's it. You're in control to an yeah. extent. It's your house. Right. right. That's true. There you go. 
Well, that's awesome. Seriously, Chelsea, that's thank it. you so much for coming on. Uh, if you ever, you know, if you're welcome on anytime, we would love to have you on again. Um, and I will sincerely be looking you up. I'll probably get my wife in on some of your stuff because yeah, she's, she's me on Facebook very much me. into it. Yeah, I definitely will. So again, uh, Chelsea Turpening Coxie.com or Facebook. Um, do you have an Instagram or Twitter or any of that stuff? You have an Instagram. I think I, I think I found your Instagram at some point. Yeah, I'm never on it, but it's okay. there. it does okay. exist technically. We also possibly. I've got have like one three of them because I forget the password a lot. <laughs> Fred started us a TikTok and yeah. abandoned it I'm, almost immediately. I'm just not uh, yeah. I like to focus on one. I think it's the ADHD right. a little bit. It's good yeah. to just really be a badass at one. <laughs> I agree. Do we do our best to do our best. So, <laughs> so thank you again. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it was awesome. We really do appreciate it, and we would love to have you on again. So uh, everybody, yes. again, just check out ChelseaTurpinandCoxie.com, and uh, we'll be right back with the end of the Blackland Collective podcast. Welcome back to the Black Lincoln Collective Podcast. Long, we- long, <laughs> it was a long, long show, but it was well worth it. <laughs> so we do want to very much thank Chelsea Turpin and Coxie. Uh, that was absolutely amazing. And now everyone who listens knows all about my terrifically scary dreams that I have and go. the ones about Krispy Kreme donuts, which are probably realistically scary. I think mine's more embarrassing skating through the mall with my socks on well, no, all i saw was uh what was it what's that uh, was it I should have singing hamilton or <laughs> i was singing party in the usa about krispy yeah. kreme donuts alan <laughs> i really was it was like i had so many things that in my head like i woke up and i was like i should write these down i was like no you know what maybe you shouldn't and so i was like i'm just gonna go back to sleep but yeah i think that was because my daughter was listening to Miley Cyrus a lot. Right. And we do, she sings, she likes the song Flowers. You know, I got my yeah, mom's yeah. But I think I mentioned this previously. She likes the probably racist version of it more. The one where it's a Mexican guy saying, I can buy myself tacos. So, <laughs> and we sing that one all the time. Well, there ain't nothing wrong with buying tacos. No, no. And it's a dude. He's, and it, I mean, it's not racist. It's just kind it of, I'm Mexican like, dude? Yeah, he's a Mexican dude. He's funny. He's like, I can buy myself tacos from the street taco stand. Buy myself some nachos. Yeah, see, they don't have those here. I wish we had those here, like they do California. Street tacos? Yeah, yeah. I do too. I wish that too. Maybe someday. Maybe when we do a live episode, we'll get a street taco stand from the taco truck. Yeah, dude, I, I would love it. if we could do if we could pull. Oh, speaking of that, we're gonna have uh, Conrad from oh, yeah. Taco is gonna be on next week. Uh, and maybe he can he can kind of scratch that itch for us of the taco truck. <laughs> so, well, thank you guys very much for listening. Uh, appreciate you guys for sticking around. I know we went a little long this time, but hopefully you got some good information. Uh, join the uh, the British UK Round to Boot Society, and of course, <laughs> check out Chelsea Durbin and Coxie uh, on Facebook or on our website. Uh, we're gonna get out of here. Thank you guys. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of the Black Lincoln Collective Podcast. All right. I'll see you later. Tells. See you in your dreams. <laughs> we. <laughs>
are laughing. <laughs> and we are very good friends. <laughs> good buddy, sharing a special moment. <laughs> That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Just hang loose, blood. She's gonna catch up on the rebound on the med side. Hands the <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a day. <laughs> what a Well, that's all, folks. Hasta la vista, baby. Goddamn hit. Nobody's listening anyway. As you know, I'm a man of special needs. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley.